0: Back to the most accurate podcast here at 4, Four Football. As always, I'm your host John Daigle. Joined today with John Paulson, app for one more week on vacation. I have n- brought on the one and only Denny Carter of NBC Sports Edge. Denny, how has the summer been treating you so far over there? Uh,
1: too hot, and, and I, if this this comes as a uh, as a shock to everyone who knows that I I never stop complaining about the weather, but I'm 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 gonna. Continue to do it. I, I, thanks for having me on, by the way, and it's great to see you, my former colleague at NBC Sports Edge. Former
0: colleague, still good friend in life. Unfortunately, right. I just missed out on. What are y'all doing now? Is it uh, magazine season? Is that it what is I just missed? It is magazine season. Yeah.
1: I let me tell you, John. I um, I spent uh, about two hours writing about the Carolina Panthers offense today, and uh, I I couldn't be happier about that.
0: That's the life you signed up for. Uh-huh. I look forward to reading about your takes on Matt Corral starting the last month of the season for them. Uh, also, something else that's happened in the past year, besides me unfortunately no longer getting to work with you, is the infamous Frisbee throw and non-catch <laughs> of 2021. Because it was around this time roughly last year. Was it? Uh, actually one month from now. So July yeah. 18th right. is when myself, you, other friends in the industry like Rich Rebar, Pat Thorman and Pete Overzet and our girlfriends wives, partners, kids, uh all gathered on the beach at Cape Cod. I can't exactly remember which beach it was. I just know there were lots of horseflies there. Maybe that's all of Cape Cod to be honest. Oh. But we gathered and Overzet and Rebar, the tale goes, went to the top of the hill, to the top of the sand dunes as you were in, on the the coast, like the beach area right before the water where the weight comes through and touches your feet. And I am watching from afar. I'm sitting down with your wife and others watching to see what's going to happen as Overzet launches a randomizer frisbee at you from what do you think the distance actually was?
1: Uh, I'm going to say, honestly, 150 yards.
0: 150 yards. Okay. And so imagine someone throwing a 150 yard frisbee. I would say three to five stories elevated from a sand dune down to the water. And you can find this on social media, by the way. If you go and look up <laughs> just the rank CD Carter, you're going you're gonna to run to a lot of stuff with that, actually. But you'll find a Frisbee video. Uh, Frisbee Dime also works if you search it on Twitter. But either way, the video's there. And more importantly, Denny, I want you to explain to everyone what happened since as they're searching for this right now, listening, as they're watching this video, if they haven't already seen it because they've been living under a rock, the Frisbee from 150 yards out actually dropped quite perfectly finger temp length somehow some way one in a million chances and when you stretched out you dropped the frisbee so please clear this up for everyone and explain yourself
1: yeah i I do want to clarify something i didn't drop it i didn't even get to drop it you know i i did it it, it never hit it never touched my hand and and that's uh maybe that's worse It, it probably is worse i should i should just say i dropped it but if you look at the video first of all the video looks like it was uh, recorded on a cell phone in 2004. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really know why.
0: Just last year, but still, we had to go to the 1990s to get a cell phone video.
1: Yes. And and uh, so so the the plan honestly, the plan wasn't for me to go get it. Like uh, you know, Pete got up to the top and he and I saw him and and we you know we were like, okay, let's do it. And so he said, hey, Danny, here you go. And he flung it, and it was looking solid. I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a long time, uh, enjoyer of chasing things down and catching them. Okay. Like I love playing outfield as a kid. I still, I still play softball. I love playing outfield because I get to go chase the ball and sacrifice my body sometimes to catch a ball. I love doing that. So this was the dream to be able to do this. First of all, being watched by people being filmed, catching it from Pete in what was a tremendous throw. Many are saying it so, and, and, um, I just I just misjudged it at the very end. It, you know how, how Frisbee looks like it it's, has a certain trajectory and then it kind of flutters up just, just, just a little bit, right? Well, that, that's what happened and it went over my head and I didn't have the, uh, we'll say, courage to dive for it because I felt the jagged rocks of Cape Cod underneath my feet and I thought, well, instead of going to the hospital, I'm just going to let this thing fall. But you've done this in softball
0: before, and for those watching on the YouTube channel at 44, our producer Sal has pulled up the video live now for everyone, and you just now missed the Frisbee live on Retro Air. Uh, you've done this in softball, though, I'm sure. You had to have laid out, right? Uh, can't you sacrifice yourself for the good of the jagged rocks, for the good of the once-in-a-million throw, just to make I, sure you don't let your friends down?
1: I, you know... In, in hindsight, maybe maybe that would have been the thing to do to just go face first into a bunch of rocks and tear up my break my nose. Maybe, you know, maybe hurt my eye, maybe gash my forehead open, you know, so, something something fun like that. But I, I, I decided that I was going to kind of half kind of half ass the dive. You know what I mean? Uh, but, you know what? Look, I blame the New England uh, beach because, uh, you know, in, in Maryland, we don't have jagged rocks. Under the, uh, uh, you know, under the water, right near the sand, it, I I could have dove if it were in Maryland. I would have dove. I would have caught that thing.
0: Well, unfortunately, Denny, we are not here to relive that any further. I had to get it out of the way early on, and unfortunately, we won't be spending time with each other this year, anyways. Next year, yes. This year, a lot of things have happened. No beats this year, but you were here to talk football, and now what I want to start with is actually the recent signing of re-signing, I should say, of Jarrett McKinnon. And it's a confusing situation. That's why I'm curious to get your take on it because we have CEH, who everyone is now hyping up for the available carries without Darrell Williams. And Darrell Williams, of course, who led the team with 14 carries inside the five-yard line. I've mentioned this on the past in the show. CEH has already essentially been pigeonholed and archetyped out of goal line role since he has only five goal line carries since week two of his rookie year. And so... That's where Ronald Jones comes in. Because now I assume, and that's why he has a higher ADP, I assume he was going to take on that Darrell Williams money touch role. But then we got the re-signing of McKinnon, as I mentioned. And the issue is that McKinnon's going to be 30 this year and really never broke out. Did have those couple of last few postseason games um, and did out-touch Edward Slayer in their last two games together. But come to find out, what we also discovered this offseason via the NBC Sports news page, that CEH apparently had to immediately undergo gallbladder surgery postseason. And so now he's supposed to be fully healthy. So with this three-headed backfield now taking precedence, ADP has yet to adjust. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on who you who you prefer at ADP and really what is your lean for all three of these guys in this backfield?
1: Yeah, I mean, I you know figuring out the KC backfield is going to be like the key. I feel like to redraft this year because there's there's so much pass catching juice to be had there if they're going to operate similarly to how they operated in the second half of last season, which is a bunch of you know shortish throws from Patrick Mahomes. I'm sorry if you can hear my dog; he's barking up a storm. And
0: he's also pissed about the frisbee. I get it.
1: Infuriating. He he would have caught it. I think is that, I think so that's too. What, actually, that's what he's saying. I would have caught it. Um you know, McKinnon is a. I think is a major problem for for C E H. Uh, despite the draft capital they put into C E H, despite the fact that he's going to be fully healthy this year after not being healthy, you know, last year and and everything. I, I think McKinnon's production and opportunity last year shows that the team, you know, knows what they have in McKinnon, and they have a really good pass catching back now he's never going to be like a workhorse or anything close to that but i think that he makes Edwards elaire close to undraftable at his current adp where do you think
0: mckinnon's ADP will eventually land at Uh, right now as a free agent, even because you know how the best ball leagues work nowadays, everyone's looking for that sweet, sweet ADP bump in the last round, no matter the talent of the individual they're drafting anymore. And McKinnon right now was going based in the last rounds of underdog. I imagine, I think it'll settle like around 14 or 15. And I don't know if that's too high or too low, but I'm curious to get your opinion on that.
1: Yeah. I I can't imagine, uh, you know, his ADP going above like, the 12th round or, or, or something like that. Um, I, I want to say as for week 17 uh, correlation bros, uh, I, th- I guess, I guess if you're, if you're drafting McKinnon, wait, who the, the, the chiefs play the Texans. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, no chiefs is. Yeah. Oh, wrong. They play Broncos. Yeah.
1: Bronco. So, you know, if you take McKinnon, you got to also get Jerry Judy or something. I mean, you, you, we have to keep this in mind for the, for the correlation bros out there. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. I, so I, I'd be more apt to look at McKinnon than I think CEH. But I also think that CEH's ADP will probably come down now that McKinnon has signed. I don't know what took so long, by the way. It, he, he wasn't talking to other teams as far as I, as I could tell. I told Pat Doherty on a good football show the other day, like I, I Googled Jarek McKinnon like an embarrassing number of times in March <laughs> and April to try to like figure like it, what are our teams courting him? Were they impressed by what he did in the postseason? He had 48 touches in three games. Isn't that? No, no, he was just out there and the chiefs brought him back. Um, but for fantasy, it's a, it's somewhat of a nightmare.
0: And in that last wild card game, yes, it was against the Steelers that shouldn't have been there in the beginning, but also McKinnon still put up 18 touches for 142 total yards. So, like, he was great the week prior to CEH coming back in the postseason, and that's what kind of what I'm latching on to. But, again, I'm trying to put players in buckets, and even though I do want him at a piece if he does settle, like we're assuming, in that 14, 15-round range, I'm okay with that. But in putting players in a bucket, like, how many players – basically have never broken out and then broke out at the end of their age 29 season heading into age 30 uh, in a three-headed backfield. It's a very small niche, a very small demographic. So that's where I keep coming back to, okay, maybe I shouldn't be bullish,
1: but I want to be because he looked good. He was fun. He was. um, The the thing I keep coming back to with Kansas City running backs is that everyone does well except for CEH when given the chance, and McKinnon is among those.
0: So, Denny, that is... A good take, in my opinion, from from both of us. Shout out to us on strong, intelligent opinions about the Chiefs' backfield. Here's the thing. There's no way I invited you on the show to give strong, intelligent opinions. You were here today because I want your worst takes possible. In fact, I am cleaning off the room right now. I'm throwing on a hazmat suit. Both of us are getting in (laughs) in costume. We need to be burn free here because we are now officially entering the no judgment zone. (laughs) This is the trust tree. Uh, The mics are turned off, hypothetically. No one can hear us, Denny. I I would love to get your first take. We're going to start with you and your opinion that if no one could hear You would say aloud because you believe it, but also you were scared to actually say it because people will come running at you with pitchforks.
1: That's right. Yes, and uh, I'm glad that the mics are off; that no no one can hear it, and it's just you and me. We're back
0: at the beach, just friends over seltzers. We're just uh, talking talking about football. Yeah, that's
1: right. I'm drinking a a warm lime seltzer, and uh, and we're we're ready to go. And I'm also not judging you right now for that either.
0: We're in the safe zone.
1: (laughs) No judgment. All right, no judgment. The Bengals, after losing the Super Bowl last year, should have immediately fired Zach Taylor. That's a hot I, one. I, I I know, you know, it's not it's not normal. It's not typical for a team to get to the Super Bowl and then say, see you later to their head coach. But uh, first of all, Zach Taylor's uh, conservative play calling early in the season in itself was a fireball offense, in my opinion. He got... He got to where he did. He, he got through the AFC playoffs. He got to the Super Bowl only because of a generational quarterback and a generational wide receiver. Otherwise, they go, you know, 7 and 10, and he's out the door. Uh, they've exceeded they've, – the Bengals have already exceeded Zach Taylor's ceiling as a head coach. They should just rip off the Band-Aid instead of giving him another two or three or four what, disappointing years. I believe they will be disappointing going forward he's he's already gone through the through what he can do he's not a good coach he's not a good coach they should have said you know what we got we got really lucky despite zach taylor we got there we have a core of players who can win multiple super bowls we got to get taylor out of there
0: i agree think about what had to happen in the postseason for the Bengals to go on that run uh whether it was not even nine sacks against the Titans, but basically it came down to one pinpoint throw. I think back to the Aaron Rodgers, Jared Cook against the that Packers playoff game against the Cowboys, that one tip, sideline throw that I'm not sure Aaron Rodgers could ever do again. Like Joe Burrow's 19 yard throw to Jamar chase. I'm not sure he ever makes that throw again. It was legitimately perfect. And that's what the game literally came down to because it put them in position to kick the game winning field goal. And it was a stack of all of that, including being down by three scores against the chiefs at the half and then roaring back because the chiefs couldn't average even four yards for play in that second half. All of these things stacked up to allow the Bengals advance also I think about this a lot because their weakness Cincinnati was the offensive line and we know they have vastly improved it. Uh, it it's literally an elite unit now, but also I want to bet on regression and the win loss column for this team. Given that last year, the second easiest slate in hindsight of opposing pass defenses and zero games, the rest disadvantage. So they played no games against teams who had extra time to prepare on short weeks. But this year, this year, the seventh toughest schedule based on Vegas season win totals and an NFL high three road primetime games on Sunday or Monday night football. When think about it, no team played more than two of those games last year. And so like the Bengals actually drew the wrong end of the stick this season, despite upgrading significantly their weakest unit. And so I have actually been, and plus not to mention the, uh, the natural regression that comes with Joe Burrow leading the league in completion rate in yards per attempt. Like how many times do we have to do this to realize like that usually doesn't happen even for the best players in the league. And so I think there are a lot of reasons to actually fade this team and fade this offense. And so that's kind of where I've been leaning, but and I'm glad we're talking about this in no judgment zone because I've been scared to say it out loud too. <laughs> but I actually agree with you, and I'm happy. I'm happy Rich Bisaccia got number two and Coach of the Year over Zach Taylor, who got number three because Bisaccia, what he did, in my opinion, was much better and much more impactful than what Zach Taylor did.
1: Exactly, I agree. And Taylor stumbled into a Super Bowl berth. I mean, the the the, the Bengals didn't really play that well. And he did not function well as a play caller in the postseason. Anytime they, they had the lead in, in those uh, three postseason games, those three playoff games before the super bowl, they were hyper conservative. It was scared play calling. Uh, it just, it just wasn't like winning football type play calling. I, I think that that was a huge red flag. Now PR wise, you can't do it like I get I get it like if you're an NFL organization like you can't possibly say hey thanks coach for getting us to our first Super Bowl in 35 years hit the road uh, we're going to upgrade now I know you can't do it you can't you can't possibly explain that to your fans you can't explain to the players you know the players might riot the players might like really refuse to play for the next guy who knows so I get it but in like a like a complete bubble in a vacuum Zach Taylor is not the long term answer as as the head coach. Joe Burrow and and Jamar Chase and T Higgins, they can propel them into into another postseason berth, whatever. But I, I just I think that they've peaked.
0: Well, we're just getting started, and that one was pretty hot. So I'm glad no one's listening. You can't be judged. So oh, thank God. we're we're okay right now. Uh, my first take is that I think Sky Moore, if I had to bet right now, will finish... Fifth or sixth on his own team in receiving yards. Uh, and my concern is that as a Mac receiver, a small school receiver who has only been playing his position for three years, one, which was the COVID shortened five games of 2020, because remember he played quarterback and was recruited as a cornerback, a defensive back out of high school. Right. And then even in playing the position three years, he did have explosiveness against small school, but two career games against Big Ten. He didn't play against any SS- SEC competition, which I consider closest to the NFL, but two career games against the Big Ten, including last year's game against Michigan, and he totaled 63 receiving yards, including two for 20 against Michigan. And now you look at how their ADPs among the Chiefs receivers are scattered with Juju an underdog in particular as the wide receiver 28 sky Moore wide receiver 42 going at 89th overall, uh, Marcus Valdes Scantling going around and a half later as the wide what? receiver 59. Really? Yes. And then, uh, I'm sorry, Valdes Scantling, the wide receiver 48, but still around and a half later. And then it's Michael hardman. Who's the wide receiver 59. And so I understand <laughs> that sky Moore has the better profile, uh, better alpha profile than Marquez Valdez-Scantling. But that's not something I want to bet on in year one, let alone at his ADP, even if I think valdez may not lead the team in receiving, but I think his spike weeks actually will be better for fantasy than anything Sky Moore does all year. And so I will gladly continue fading more at his ADP right now.
1: Wow, I, you know, did not know that, that MVS was going well after Sky... Scott- so is this this is not dynasty this is best ball and this is
0: best ball this is what's happening right now. Juju and I think this is rightfully so is the first one being drafted and then skymore after that around the so what is that that's round six round seven.
1: if I know one thing about small school wide rec- dominant wide receivers, is that they almost always flame out? I mean, come on, like, like they, like they, this is a, it's, it's almost always a bad bet. Like they look great on paper. I get, I, Sky Moore looks amazing on paper, but it's such a huge transition from that to uh, catching passes in the most potent or one of the most potent offenses in the NFL from probably the best quarterback in the, in the league. God, I also is, 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 is no one paying attention. The guy wears number 24. You cannot possibly draft a wide receiver who wears a cornerbacks number. It does, it makes no sense. At least with Christian
0: Watson, obviously from North Dakota state, like the ADP is 111. uh, still a touch too high for me as the wide receiver 53 overall, but it's still like a value compared to sky Moore, which in my opinion, that range is his ceiling. And that's why I'm not drafting him. And I know this because I even tuned in initially telling myself, oh yeah, I'll take a chance on Sky more that I realized like there's really no taking a chance with outs for Sky more. Like you're betting on his best outcome in year one.
1: Probably, you know, probably beyond his best outcome. I think um, I, I don't understand that. Well, honestly the fact that like Hardman's not going beyond, you know, above Sky more makes no sense to me. I would happily at the same price, I would rather have Nicole Hardman this year in redraft than, than Sky Moore. Hardman's the only guy with experience in, in as a Chiefs wide receiver among the guys we're talking about. And we saw it was a glimpse. I get it, very tiny, the smallest sample size possible. But when Tyreek Hill missed that, that week 18 game last year, Hardman slotted in as the number two pass catcher behind Kelsey. And I forget what it was. He, he saw 15 targets or 11. I forget what it was. He caught 10 balls for hundred and some yards uh, and was used as a short area pass catcher. Like that could be very valuable for PPR purposes, especially since Hardman can make a lot out of a little with after the catch ability. So I just, I don't get that at all.
0: If, if you include his postseason, he actually averaged over 13 yards per touch in his last eight games. So like he did show, some competency finally in that stretch and i'm not even saying i'm betting on him at his current adp but i'd much rather take a chance at that flailing average draft position than i would betting on a ceiling at sky moore's but but thankfully no one heard that so we're good we're we're still safe no no judgment here uh (laughs) denny i would love to hear your next take
1: all right. So, I maybe I misunderstood the assignment a little bit, John. I, uh, th- these are these are just like general football takes. I like it. That's okay. fine. It's right. it's
0: it's June. You don't need fantasy football okay, takes right good. now.
1: good. Because I I I was like in a general football mindset when I was doing this. So, excuse me, I'm going to go way back here. I'm going back to the year 2012. And I'm going to say that if Robert Griffin III had been You're given You're going way back. If he had been given a few more months to recover from his ACL injury that he suffered at the end of his rookie season. Today we would be talking about him as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And I say this as not a Washington fan, but someone who lives in the Washington area and knows many, many commanders fans who would absolutely burn my house down. If I said this, because they see RG three, as you know, like the devil who had come to ruin their franchise. Really, all they hate—they hate RG three.
0: What? Why do they hate RG three? Like he did put up arguably or one of the greatest rookie seasons of all time, and it really came down to him just not being the size of Cam Newton. Like he couldn't sustain NFL impact. That's all it was.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, listen to how how good his rookie season was. So he was uh, in 2012. He was fifth in a completion. Rate overexpected. Um, uh, He was actually third in that category uh, before a week 14 knee tweak. I don't know if you remember, but against Baltimore, he got his leg like whacked in midair and he really wasn't the same after that. So he was third in completion rate overexpected at that point. Uh, He was third behind only Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and adjusted EPA per drop back. He finished the season with 3,200 passing yards and 815 rushing yards i mean if he if if mike shanahan would have just let rg3 recover and maybe brought him back in like december of that year if they were still in contention uh because he tore his acl in january um again against seattle in the playoff game so if he would have given him the proper time i really believe he would have like like you know come into his own and been an all-time great
0: which is still so odd to me that Kyle Shanahan was the one like assisting as an offensive coordinator here. He was the one coaching RG three and then they get Trey Lance. And that's why we have the comps and, Shanahan absolutely hates Trey Lance. Everything, everything we know, he regrets this pick, and he absolutely—maybe this is for the no judgment zone—he absolutely did want Mac Jones until he was peer pressured by the media and fans, and then, and only then, did he back off within a month's time and go Trey Lance instead. I think he wanted Mac Jones still to this day.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, like when he's asked about Trey Lance, he's like, "Sorry, never heard of him." Uh, We're 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 Look and if you it.
0: if you ask anyone after year one, actually, of RG three, because remember Andrew Luck, of course, same class, uh, everyone would have said RG three is the better prospect. Everyone right. after year one,
1: right, right, yeah, that's right, yes, and uh, and and that was not the case, obviously, because you know Luck went number one, and I think I think RG three was seen as like a consolation prize, honestly, uh, for for Washington in that in that draft. He just a tremendous rookie year. Uh, I will say about about Trey Lance, I you I I feel for the kid because. You know, you, you read about, like, recently he stays in the Bay Area to keep training with his teammates, even though Kyle Shanahan had, like, called off minicamp early, you know? Like, like he's trying to, like, reserve preserve the days that he has to practice with these guys. But, like, Trey Lance stays in, the, stays in San Francisco. Like, he's trying so hard. And Shanahan, like, won't acknowledge it and, you know, probably just wants to go with Jimmy G for another year.
0: I also, I think about this a lot actually too much that I admire Andrew Luck and that he went out when he retired, that's the way I want to go out. Uh, significantly less prominent because I'm just writing about fantasy football. Like, like I know you have other aspirations as well. Uh, you are or were a political journalist, and um, you have many interests outside of fantasy. You're just a great writer overall, honestly. Uh, and I don't know how you want to like walk away, but taking a sailboat and just literally going away from Earth forever—that's how I actually want to go out. So I, I think Andrew Luck did it properly, as opposed to everyone else who like makes a TikTok or a social media and then just does spaces for the rest of their life
1: hey yeah that that works like andrew luck retired and probably sits in a very comfortable leather chair reading books all day and he shows
0: up once a year to a high school locker room to give a speech uh i'm never sure which one it is because it's not even his own high school they're just kind of like someone reaches out via message in a bottle to andrew luck and he comes back once a year to speak
1: Do you remember, did you remember seeing him last year? Um, I forget which game it was, but he came to a game. It was jarring. I mean, the guy, he looks like a regular dude. He's like, he's lost like 60 pounds. It's that Joe
0: Thomas impact where the smart ones realize they can't sustain that weight forever and you no longer need to play with it. So just like literally get back to being a normal elliptical individual. Don't worry about the seven tuna steaks to reach 4,000 grams of protein every single day. (laughs) Right. It's, not, it's not. It's
1: not sustainable for a human being.
0: You're not supposed a, to do that.
1: Andrew Luck used to be a legitimately big man. Like, like he would, he would like run through linebackers, uh, and and you see him, and he look, he looks like Andrew Luck's grandfather uh, when when we saw him last year.
0: Well, we have a take in the chat, and it's important because it is Mr. Scamper's who's always around here. Thanks for always attending, Mr. Scamper's, and he is his hot take <laughs> is Tyreek <laughs> and Waddle will both finish inside the top twelve. At their position, he also sized a dunk on Tua at the end and say Tua still won't help you though. What? I I this is important. Okay, so because I'm going the opposite direction, and my second take is that I don't even know if Jalen Waddle. I'm gonna say he doesn't. Since, since no one's listening, uh, Jalen Waddle does not finish as a wide receiver four in fantasy. So not even in the top 48 receivers. Whoa,
1: whoa, 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 whoa.
0: <laughs> and he's going, remember, Diddy, no one's listening. So it's okay. We're uh. just ch- We're just chatting over warm lime seltzers.
1: No judgment. No judgment.
0: And it's, I, right now his ADP as a 2021, 20, depending where you look on underdog, uh, depending on the format his ADP, I think, entails so much more volatility than we're giving credit for. Because he did average nine targets and ten full games that he played with Tua last year, but also five of his top 24 games. So five of his games as he finished, at least as a wide receiver, two, That's what was without Devontae Parker. And so... I do think there's a terrific chance in basically Tyreek Hill now being better Devontae Parker. I think there's a chance it's like Kadarius Toney and Sterling Shepard last year, where Kadarius Toney, he only flashed in one game first off. But anytime Sterling Shepard played a full game, I think it was eight all last year, he literally out-targeted Kadarius Toney because at the time, at least, Shepard was a better player, not more explosive, but he was better wide receiver than Tony was last year. And so that's what I think is happening here in a run-first offense where we still have to feed these other guys in a three-headed backfield committee, not to mention Mike Jasicki, maybe some Cedric Wilson and other options. There are only so many crossing routes to go around uh, in a run-first attack under Mike McDaniel. And so I keep coming back to the idea that like Jalen Waddle is basically double his ADP off.
1: Wow. that You know what? Uh, I'm trying not to judge. I'm having a hard time. <laughs> I'm having a hard time with that one. I, I I mean, I guess that means that you are bullish on Tyree Kill uh, and his ADP. I,
0: yeah, so you have to be in my opinion, you have to be bullish on one and bearish against the other. And maybe it's the fact that everyone, and it's not even really, he's going as the wide receiver 10 or 11 right now an underdog. So not many people are even bearish on Tyree Kill. But just the fact that We've seen this before, and at the time Tyreek Hill was 26, but in his last year with Alex Smith, Tyreek Hill was still the wide receiver five in fantasy points per game. Like, he's shown he can he can elevate the play of any quarterback, no matter how poor they are under center, whereas I still don't really believe that with Jalen Waddle, as long as there's competition around him, since in my opinion, he's still just a slot receiver. And so that's what I keep coming back to for this wide receiver core.
1: Um, I can't disagree with your Tyreek. You can, take. you
0: just can't judge. Uh,
1: no, no, no. I, I, I really, I mean the, the judgment I'm, I'm just rattled about the waddle take, but uh, the, 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 the Tyreek thing is, is right because, and you know, this is not analytical or anything. It's come straight from the gut. Tyreek Hill is the, is the most difference making wide receiver I've ever seen in football. Like I don't, I don't know. I've never seen a player who can, take over and i've never seen, never seen a wide a out who can take over a game just like that and and he he's done it with everyone he did it with matt Moore, like he said recently i did it with matt Moore. he did it obviously with mahomes he did it with alex smith like it really doesn't matter him and and early career obj are the two guys that come to mind when i think of the absolute most electric receivers that i've ever seen so uh i i tend to agree with you and in a run first offense which you know the dolphins are probably going to look similar to how the niners operate um you you, where are the targets going to come from for both of these guys to uh, exceed their adps i will say the question i keep
0: asking myself is since tyree kill now turns 30 and he's fresh off a career low in yards per route run still 2.1 still much better than your average receiver but it was a career low and it's been trending down like is that the catalyst here is that what makes the biggest difference and I I still think though even in the last five seasons averaging 13.3 fantasy points per game basically never letting us down I still think he's the one I'm betting on if I believe we can only have one very good receiver at their ADP hit in this offense
1: yeah. I mean, that, that makes it, you're, you've given me a lot to think about, John.
0: All right, Denny, one more. They're scorching hot already. Yeah. I would love for you to wrap this up with maybe the last is your hottest. We're going to find out.
1: It's uh, it's pretty warm. By the way, uh, producer, Sal, a uh, good friend of mine says that Alex Smith is good though. That That's, that's something that he wanted to throw in there around the Tyreek discourse. So I just want to, I,
0: even in the no judgment zone, I'm not going to dunk on Alex Smith who did a much more uh uh what's the term i'm looking for here uh was a hero essentially in his final year of football no matter how he performed was still a hero and bouncing back from one of if not the most gruesome leg injury i've ever seen in my life so no no dunking on alex smith here
1: no this is the no dunk zone uh as well (laughs) um all right. So this is another general football one, not fantasy related. Okay.
0: It's, <laughs> o- it's June.
1: It's okay. It is. It is. Okay. So I don't feel so bad. And listen, you don't have to agree with me. You can like push back. You can say, no, this is ridiculous. Okay. Uh, I don't have any numbers. I'm just going to say that always Brees- the best
0: takes the the takes that would be set at a bar when right. no one looks at their phone. Yeah.
1: Yeah. After three beers, here's what I would say. Drew Brees was never good. It's, that's pretty hot.
0: Now uh you're not you're obviously not talking about his broadcasting career since you do work at NBC and uh No, he was, he was very, great at NBC. He was a great on NBC, correct.
1: He was fantastic. One of the best ever on NBC. But For the
0: one year he broadcasted, yes.
1: He was look, he was boring to watch. He was a product of a forward-looking offensive system and a, a genius head coach and play caller. You know, could anybody have done what he did? No, probably not. But A lot of guys could have done what Drew Brees did in his prime with the Saints. So, uh, I've and I've always thought that this is not a new take, by the way. Is it? This is a take that's been percolating for I don't know, fifteen years. Yeah, Brees is it's it's fine. He's not great though. That's I
0: I think he may be great. I'm not going to disagree. Uh, The issue with this take because I feel like I've had this this thought with some with some help uh, via other methods in the past and. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to quantify because you then have to like when we're talking about the best ever, you have to era adjust. You have to adjust for how many dome games Drew Brees played in his career. So like that was clearly to his advantage. I don't know if that if he would have played outdoors for his entire career. Like his career is probably somewhere in between his year with the Chargers, which he wasn't even a good quarterback and his career with the Saints. It's somewhere in between that because they were so vastly different on opposite end of the spectrum. Um, But I still think
1: he was very, very good. So you're right, the the dome thing. Can we talk, can we remember, can we recall for just a moment the the rare times where teams got to play Drew Brees outdoors, not even, I'm not talking about in New England when it's negative 10 degrees and snowing sideways, okay? I'm talking about like, when he played, when he had to play like in Carolina in December, when it was 45 degrees and no wind, and he couldn't even do that, like like that, like even that messed him up. Like he he couldn't perform the same that as he did in the dome. So yes, good point, and I wish I had thought of that.
0: And with that, Denny, we're gonna turn the mics on really quick. Yeah. Okay. Uh, welcome to the Four Four Show, everyone. Thank you <laughs> for sticking around. Uh, Denny, tell everyone what they can find in NBC Sports Edge and what you're working on right now.
1: We have uh, team previews uh, for you know the next what month or so uh, up on the site nbcsportsedge.com. My Carolina Panthers offensive preview with Ben featuring Ben McAdoo uh, will be up on the site on Friday morning. Um, I also John, I I was actually late to sign up for the team, so here here are the teams I got. Okay, because I was the last one to sign up. Mm-hmm. Panthers. Bears, <laughs> Patriots, and Packers. Now the Packers wasn't so bad, but man, those three other teams—that those were, those were tough write-ups. But I, I, I powered through them. I actually uh, found a, a lot of good stuff. I think for for fantasy purposes, uh, especially for Justin Fields, and, and I'll leave that for the readers to read when it's up on the site next week.
0: It honestly just sounds like teams that you got because you were late to sign up. It that's pretty much is self-explanatory.
1: That's right. Although I'm like, I'm wondering uh, why I wasn't left with the Falcons.
0: How, how did I not get left with the
1: Falcons? <laughs> that's someone wanted to write about Desmond Ritter
0: too frantically. Oof,
1: man. I I mean, that, we'll talk about a bad off, a down bad.
0: I will also say Underdog just released literally at the time of this recording, their rookie sophomore two drafts. Too. They're bringing it back again this year. And so remember, promo code 444 will also get you a free pro or DFS sub with a $10 deposit for new users at Underdog. So we are all over there. Our tools are all in the site. Uh, my best ball tiers were already up for Underdog, and I am manually updating the top 250, which I already pushed one through the moment it went behind a paywall for sub. So be tuned to jump in there because we are all jumping in there. So until then, thanks again, Denny, for joining me. I will see you on the beach next year. I will see you at in Canton for the Fantasy football expo. Absolutely. And we'll probably see everyone else too uh, this year. So until then, thanks for joining in everyone. We'll see you next week.